Recently, I had an experience with credit card fraud that caused so much unnecessary stress and anxiety. I spent hours on the phone and in chats with my credit card company. I had to get two different cards before the fraud stopped and I was so worried about what was gonna happen to my money in my bank account. And I sometimes have the fear that it's gonna happen again, right? And that's why I'm so excited to introduce You Are The Healer's newest sponsor, Aura, an app for protecting online data and personal information. Cleaning up my information not only helps reduce the amount of spam I get, but it protects me from hackers who could use this information to help them access things like my social media accounts, bank accounts, and other sensitive information. Protecting yourself and your personal information is a form of self-care. I swear. Go to my sponsor, ara.com healer to get a 14-day free trial and have peace of mind knowing your information is safe. Again, that's ara, A-U-R-A, dot com slash healer for your two-week free trial. Therapy has been so largely beneficial on my mental health journey, and I'm really excited to announce that this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you know me, you've probably heard me say that therapy is mandatory because there's absolutely nothing wrong with seeking help, and I think that every single person who walks this earth needs it. So I'm really excited to be connected with BetterHelp and offer affordable and accessible therapy um, the link will be in my show notes, or you can go to betterhelp.com slash healer. That's better, H-E-L-P.com slash healer. I'm gabbing with my twin sister, Ava. For those of you that don't know, I'm an identical twin, and we have a fun relationship. We're kind of built-in besties, and no one pisses me off like Ava does, <laughs> and I'm excited to have her on the podcast because I feel like we could talk about literally a million different things. So Ava, say Hi. Hi, podcast. <laughs> Hi, podcast. Um, Ava's been a super big supporter of the podcast, and I really appreciate it. And so I'm excited to kind of get into it. Honestly, I don't really have any blueprint of, like, what I want to talk about. Just anything, like, relating to mental health. And, like, maybe I, w- I was thinking we could talk about, like, comparison and, like, um, anxiety, maybe. But Maybe before we get into all of that, let's just talk, like, Ava, what's your relationship with mental health like? Like, maybe what's your journey been? Yeah, so my journey with mental health, um, I started therapy at 19 for a traumatic event. I was assaulted. And that's, yeah. (laughs) Not great. (laughs) Maybe um, we could talk about that, too. Yeah, maybe. Um, But that kind of got me on my mental health journey. And through breakups, I've gone through therapy. And then most recently, probably within the last year and a half, two years, I really started using therapy as a way just to better myself. Whereas initially on my mental health journey, it was, here's a problem. I'm going to therapy to work through the problem. Once I felt healed from that, I kind of stopped going. Mm. But now I'm at a place where my mental health is a constant journey. I'm constantly wanting to get to know myself better. Mm and getting to work through any triggers I have, any anxiety I have. Yeah, and well, so- let, me, let me put a pin in that because I think what you said really, like, is relatable to a lot of people. Like, you go to therapy for a problem, you fix problem. Like, mm-hmm. so many people are hesitant to go to therapy because they feel like, oh, I don't have any problems. What would I talk about, right? When, when I like how your mindset shifted to, like, this is an ongoing thing. Like, my mental health is, like, an evolution. It's a journey. It's growth and mm-hmm. not, like, problem fixed okay no more therapy like therapy is like a tool to stay well and to keep growing even if you don't have like a said problem yeah yeah definitely and it's I've come at it from a better place now where instead of like oh I'm super sad about this one thing like that sucks it's more so like 
how can I be curious about myself and how can I use therapy as a tool to really get to know myself better? And it doesn't need to be any problem or anything. Mm -hmm. It can be, oh, I got really anxious at work because of X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. I wonder why I felt that way. And I can use therapy to debrief those moments. And it's, it's been really great. Um, It's like a place of non-judgment and like exploration, mm -hmm. which I feel like is so much of the stigma around therapy is like, oh, like, what do you talk to your shrink about? Like, yeah. you know, like, what do you I have messed going? up. Right. I need fixing. Right. Like, what did you do to get into therapy when instead, like, you're saying, yeah, I want to know myself better. Right. It's literally, like, I, I think of therapy as, like, this great opportunity to, like, know yourself. Like, in mm-hmm. a way that, like, there's nothing, there's no substitute for therapy. Like, it's so unique in its own way. And mm-hmm. So, I'm glad yeah. you got into therapy. Yes, me as well. And then, I guess, more so my mental health journey I have <laughs> about a year ago, I, I realized I have anxiety and it, it was a moment when I realized I had been anxious my whole life. I just didn't know it was called anxiety, even though like I'm a nurse, like I know what anxiety is. I just didn't put two and two together of, oh, my need to constantly be doing stuff. My, my impulse cleans, things like yeah. that was because I was anxious. Yeah. And so that was a huge ego death of realizing yeah. I am someone with anxiety yeah. and I have been for basically my whole life. Yeah. And so what made you realize like, oh shit, I'm actually anxious. <laughs> my therapist, <Okay. laughs> she, I, I think I was talking about the need to like clean and how I feel uneasy in my body when things are messy. Uh-huh. And she's like, so when did that anxiety start? And I was like, what? Yeah, you're like, what <laughs> I was like, um, my need to clean is anxiety based. And she's like, yes. And it was like, oh my God, like yeah, I, like identity shattering. Yeah. And I feel like I, I don't even know why I didn't think about it until then, but it mm. came at the right point when I was yeah. ready to work on it, when I was ready to process the fact that I was someone with anxiety. Um, I like that you worded it. Like I'm someone with anxiety, not like I'm an anxious I, person. I'm an anxious person. Yeah. It's, Language is very important. Yes. Um, and so that's the last year has been a journey of, it first started of me really, um, once I realized I had anxiety, it felt like every single moment I was anxious because I was now aware of it. And so that was tough, like getting through the moments when I felt like, oh my God, I'm anxious all the time. What is it like to not be anxious? Uh-huh. Um, but my therapist is wonderful. It teaches me a lot of good coping mechanisms, a lot of yeah. skills to help me break through that anxiety and to really notice when I'm feeling good and not anxious. Mm-hmm. And now I'm at a place where my anxiety comes and goes and I don't judge myself for it. I just kind of use it objectively of okay right now I'm having anxiety I'm gonna let myself feel anxious mm-hmm. I'm gonna calm myself down and then once I'm not in that activated state I can then kind of look into the situation and say okay what was kind of making me anxious so we were talking about anxiety and kind of like your journey with it I wanted to talk about like what it was like when you realized you had anxiety and like that feeling of overwhelm and like oh my gosh I'm anxious all the time because I think that that's something that happens to people quite a lot like I had a similar experience thinking like I'm just not a person that gets anxious and then I'm like oh I just I worry and I'm like wait that's the same thing and then I realized like I worry all the time so kind of walk me through like what that was like initially yeah it sucked it really <laughs> like for a good probably three months yeah, I, it, was it was rough it was really rough and I think I didn't realize how much stigma I had around mental health, yep. which is funny because I don't know. I'm like, you know, sisters with somebody who has a mental health podcast. And I'm yeah. an ER nurse. Like you think that you're kind of, 
it's just interesting realizing the stigmas you have. So, yeah. I, no one is immune to stigma and bias and judgment. Yes. Like, we're all factors of societal conditioning. And I, um, I really othered myself from people with mental health illnesses. Mm. I, for some reason, well, I learned through therapy, I have a fear of basically going into psychosis <laughs> because my <laughs> grandma did. Little, <laughs> My, my grandma basically went into psychosis right before she died, and my, my mom's side of the family has a lot of mental health problems, period, and <laughs> I'm so, I was so worried of basically going into psychosis and dying. <laughs> that was a little kid fear I had that fully yeah. was very big and real in my adult life. And it's, like, safer if you have that fear. It's safer to be like, well, I'm not mentally ill. Mm-hmm. Those people are different. That's yeah. not me. Like, I'm not never someone who could go through depression. I'm never someone who could go through anxiety yeah. because... I'm not going to allow myself to go into psychosis. Right. Like what my brain was, was trying to protect myself with. Yeah. And so I had so much judgment towards myself. Oh. And it was, that was the other reason of why it sucked so bad is because not only was I feeling super anxious, I was like mean to myself for having anxiety. Mm. Like basically, how did you let yourself get to this point? Mm. As if I hasn't been that way my whole life. I was just now aware of it. Yeah. And the, the judgment only really made my anxiety worse because mm-hmm. I was anxious. And then I was like, you have no reason to be anxious right mm-hmm. now. Why are you always anxious? Right. And then I'd get anxious about constantly being anxious. Right. And it was a very vicious cycle. Right. And it's like you're invalidating your experience mm-hmm. because it's not only like, okay, I'm anxious, but it's like you have no reason. Like, mm-hmm. and that just makes you feel worse for your own experience when you sometimes like you can't really control how you feel. Yeah. So that's complicated a little bit. Yeah. So then moving from that, like, what are some things that you learned? I also want to preface this episode by saying where we are right now. (laughs) We are driving back from the mountains. So if I'm like distracted, it's because I'm currently driving, but I'm going to be a super safe driver. And that's why Ava's going to do most of the talking. Her featured episode. So I want to ask, like, after you realize that overwhelming state, like what in therapy through other things, what has been helping you deal with? your anxiety now that you know that it's there yeah so I think the biggest thing is when you're in an anxious moment you're not going to think logically and use reason so the number one thing that I do when I'm feeling anxious is deactivate my nervous system so I do that by taking deep breaths a lot of the time if I'm around people and feeling anxious I need a time out I need five minutes of literally sitting by myself close my eyes, deep breathe, and feel how the anxiety is presenting in my body. So Mm -hmm. a lot of the time it's a tight jaw and like pressure on my chest, which I think is pretty relatable for a lot of people. Yep. And then, so literally just breathing until I feel the sensation in my body kind of ease up. Mm -hmm. So you- My heart rate calms down. Checking with your body, you take a pause, take some deep breaths. Yes. And then after that, I then kind of think of what was making me anxious because a lot of the time if you- know the things that tend to make you anxious you can kind of prep better next time of like okay this normally brings me anxiety so i'm going to be extra mindful going Mm -hmm. into it to not be on my phone to take a couple deep breaths and if Mm -hmm. i am noticing that anxiety build up to just breathe through it and allow it to deactivate and it's cool to like be aware of what your triggers are because one it's an opportunity to know yourself better you're like oh this thing makes me anxious you can dive into it maybe through journaling or, or therapy or even just meditating on it And then also, like, then you can prevent yourself from feeling anxious if, like, like, I realized the other day, I'm like, holy shit, like, meeting people for the first time, like, meeting strangers makes me so anxious. And because I know that about myself, like, before 
I go to meet somebody new, I kind of hype myself up and be like, you know what? I think I usually feel anxious. Let me take some deep breaths or let me like have a moment to myself before going into this thing. And then it's almost like preventative care. Then your anxiety and the thing, whatever is triggering you is less after because you know yourself better. Yeah. Okay. So I guess now we can, we can, I, I do actually would like to talk about like your experience with sexual assault if you're willing to like open up yeah, about it yeah, totally cool if you're not but i think that like unfortunately this is oh uh, i just get so pissed off so this is so common and like the more that you share a story like this the more that like people don't get away with it like yeah it, it's just bringing awareness to like something that's usually so shameful and stigmatized and not talked about because it's painful and i mean it's so complicated like there's so many nuances to it mm-hmm. so i think like whatever, however you want to tell it, like it's your story, but I think it would be really powerful for other people to hear your experience. So trigger warning, we'll talk about sexual assault. Yeah. So not going to go super into details, but the general gist of it was I was on college spring break and it was a stranger kind of out at a bar. And so I'm lucky in the fact that I didn't have to see this man ever again. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to be in the same environment because I was in Florida and like I was only ever in that place in Florida on that trip. Right. And so I was lucky. Right. I right. Mean, I'm like, are you lucky? <laughs> With, like, but yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but my triggers were a lot more limited than I guess if you were in your college town and had right. been a friend or, or something. Or if it was like a family member, like yeah. something you have to see all the time. Like it was like a pretty one-off thing. Yeah, it was kind of like a singular event. Um, so kind of after that happened, we went to the emergency room and that was a whole different traumatic oh experience. And I went to the ER with Sydney and a girl who works for, um, what was the clinic that... It was like a like a sexual safety club or something. Yeah, it was like at our college. They like had she was trained to a Title IX office. She worked for the oh, Title IX yeah. office, and so she was trained to help people after assault yeah. and kind of like the best care they need and getting a rape kit and all right, that like stuff. knowing the stuff. She was the person to go with, and even given my sister being there and that girl, like it was the most traumatic experience, and it was yeah. almost. Going through my healing journey, the ER experience was almost worse. Yeah, it was horrible. And, like, the way that the providers were treating me was terrible. They, yeah. It was just all around awful. And so... Well, let's let's even talk about that because, like, we went... First of all, we're in Florida on spring break. We didn't have a car, so we're Ubering to, like, random clinics. Like, we're all super hungover. Like, I felt like I was on death's door because we all went out that night drinking. So we're, like, shaking. We're not eating because we're broke college students. So we're, like... Physically, a body's not great, right? You throw an assault on top of that, and then we're going from ER to ER, like, quietly asking people, like, do you guys do, like, like SANE exams? Like, and for those of you who don't know what a SANE exam is, it's, like, it's a sexual assault nurse examiner, and they, they help people after they've been assaulted. They get, like, evidence. They, like, counsel them through things, and literally, we went to, like, three places, and people were, like, I don't know what that is. Like, we don't have that here, like... Buy. So we like Ubered from place to place to even find somewhere that would be willing to help. And then the, when we finally got to the hospital, they were so like horrible. All of these people, they're like, oh, it was like just, what did he say? Like just rape, right? And like, <laughs> like yeah. the, the, the only silver lining, I didn't want to call it a silver lining. Like, the only like beam of light 
in that entire experience was this one guy who was like entering data for insurance purposes. He was like so nice and like cracking jokes. He's like, man, I'm sorry. You're having a bad time. Like, but he was just so great. Everybody else was like, yeah, horrible. I asked for a female provider. Uh, they gave me a male doctor. Yeah. He walks in. He's like, oh, so you want like a plan B to pregnancy test probably, huh? Like, uh, yeah, uh, it was so insensitive. Yeah. Like, he literally popped his head in the room and said, you need plan B, right? And I was like, Ugh. probably. Like, <laughs> and then I he just know. walked away. That's, I think the only interaction yeah, I had with it was, the doctor. It was disgusting. And then I gave a police report and I basically had to go through detail by detail of my assault. Yeah. In like every, like literally minute by minute. Yeah. Um, Which, if you know anything about trauma-informed care, having someone repeat a traumatic experience is, like, the worst thing you can do. Yeah. Because you literally bring them right back to it. Like, you're only supposed to retell it, like, once, if needed at all, because of how traumatic it is. And I felt like it was being told over and over and over again. Like, I, oh, it was horrible. Yeah. And I, I did black out, like, trauma response, almost all of that. Like, Sydney was telling me things probably like last year yeah, about it, it. and I was like what like, <laughs> I was like that happened like, yeah, like she, she was... didn't even remember the little insurance recorder I'm like yeah. he was a king like I was like there was I'm like someone took my insurance information yeah. like it's really crazy how your brain copes with trauma to protect yeah. itself and my like that whole experience there was a lot that I really had to go back through therapy and like re-remember uh-huh. which was obviously traumatic but I had the most amazing therapy experience ever. This was my first time in therapy. I was 19. And so the assault happened March and I wasn't able to go into therapy until June. I, uh, my parents saw an ER bill. I said, I will explain to you in person when I'm ready. They probably, yeah, they were like, <laughs> if it's, it's not funny, but like in hindsight, like I'm sure they felt really bad because they were like, Oh, you guys were just like being drunk and stupid on spring break. I'm like, I promise you, like, you're going to want to hear the story. Like, like not right now. It's not mine to tell. And they're like, okay, whatever. Like, they were like this. Yeah, it was when my dad's like, what'd you crazy spring breakers get into? I was like, verge of tears immediately. Yeah, like, which I know they meant well. Right. Once they, I had told no, them, they had no was, idea. Yeah. And so um, I wasn't able to get into therapy because my, I don't know if you know anything about college, mental health and therapy. It's very limited. And so I was able to get in when I went back home for summer to a woman's shelter in Texas and it was free. It was entirely free. My therapist was also a nurse. She was literally an angel. Like I love her to death. <laughs> Maybe I'll send her this podcast. Yeah, you should. <laughs> we're friends on Facebook. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was really great. And so I was going through like a classic trauma response, like PTSD. I was yeah, having textbook. triggers and flashbacks and I wasn't able to sleep. I was having nightmares. And I went through that for months because I wasn't able to get therapy. And when I finally was, I went every week for the entire summer and we did EMDR. You know what EMDR stands for? I, eye movement desensitization rapid. <laughs> it's EM. Yeah. Anyways, whatever. we'll put in show notes. Yeah. Basically the, the point of EMDR is you're stimulating your senses bilaterally. So you can do it multiple ways. You can do it with like sounds. You can like snap in each ear, like back and forth, right, left, right, left. Or you can tap um, like a shoulder, right, left, right, left, or move your eyes back and forth. And basically what it does, the science is bananas. I'm reading a book right now that talks about it. It's um, Body Keeps the Score. It's a super dope um, like mode of therapy where you're able to go back into a traumatic experience where usually, like Ava was saying, you'd have flashbacks and you get triggered and like your fight or flight would activate. But because you're moving and you're stimulating yourself bilaterally, 
your frontal cortex turns off. And so you're able to relive a memory without having the fight or flight response. It's like this crazy body, but it's like a way to basically hack your brain and body so that you can process trauma without it being harmful or like scary or bringing you back. So that's essentially what Ava was doing in therapy. What was the like mode that you did? So she gave me two like electrodes uh-huh. and they would vibrate in each of my hands. Okay. Yeah. And I went to in-person therapy, which is fantastic too. I know. And um, so essentially like anytime I would see certain things like Tito's vodka, Nike hats, like things that would trigger me, I would immediately go into the fight or flight response. But because of the electrodes in my hands, I would know I was in my body in yeah. my therapist's office. Right. It would like buzz you into the mm-hmm. present. So you're, you're able to sit in the present moment knowing that you're not in that painful memory, mm-hmm. but you're able to go through the painful memory to a place when it's, you've healed it enough. So it's not traumatic and you're not going into fight or flight. Okay. Yeah. And so, um, it was incredible. Like I feel, I want to say entirely healed from yeah, this. Yeah. Like I feel like it doesn't really come up anymore. No. And it, it used to be like, I used to go work out at the gym and if people were wearing their hats low, I'd have to run to the bathroom and panic attack wow. because I was like, I, I'm like, what if it, what if it's him? What if he came to right. hit? Like I have well, no idea. And it's important <laughs> to know that like those experiences are super scary and it's also a very normal response to anything traumatic. So like, if anybody listening has had some, something traumatic, haven't we all, I say this like every episode, have, have we not all had trauma? I don't know. But like if you're if you're experiencing these things, you know, nightmares, flashbacks, like you're feeling super triggered and it's like hard to function, there's nothing wrong with you. Your body is literally doing exactly what it's designed to do when you experience trauma. And like it sucks and it's hard, but like it, it's normal. It's normal. Yeah. And I think like when I was seeing my triggers, my body's like, we need to protect you from that scary man. Right, run away. And go so panic. it's like run away, go cry. Yeah. Get as far away from this trigger as possible. Right. Where a lot of the times that wasn't helpful right, right? because well, it was not well it's not the it's trauma not the same I went situation through, right but my brain is trying to protect me from going through that trauma again which is totally normal right and our brains like to do this thing of like predicting patterns and so if we've had a negative experience your brain is trying to predict it in the future okay this might happen again what can I do to have a different outcome because I didn't like the last outcome and that's why so much of like our lives is like repeating patterns over and over because our brain not only is it a creature of habit but like we almost try to prove our, prove ourselves differently. Like if we had something traumatic happen or we had a really negative experience, we're like, oh, but this time, like it's going to be different because I can like, I can do better. I can anticipate it. When in reality, like when traumatic things happen, okay, I feel like such a badass. I just passed a car. <laughs> but when in reality, like our negative experiences weren't a result of us doing something right or wrong or behaving in a certain way. Like sometimes like, fucked up things just happen and I think that's also important to know when like traumatic things happen is like there doesn't always have to be this like silver lining or like this grand lesson like sometimes bad things happen and like it's honestly just how you get back up I don't know if you have any thoughts about like yeah making that, sense of everything that happened that to actually you. um because everyone I think maybe, everyone has a different like I belief about that you know yeah and I think with sexual assault and specifically with women like you blame yourself And that's a whole part of the healing journey of a sexual assault is like, what was I doing that asked for it? Right. What was I wearing? I was drinking too much. Um, I was being too flirty. And there's so much blame that comes with sexual assault because you feel like if I had acted different, this wouldn't have happened. Right. And it's, 
it puts you in such a shame spiral. Yeah. And you went through this terrible thing. And then to think you're the reason why yeah. this terrible thing happened instead of like a man who raped you. Like, yeah. that is the problem. It's right. the man who's not respecting consent. Right. Well, and and, I, there's this ugh. quote somewhere that maybe you know the rest of it, but it's like, it's something about like, um, oh, I don't know how it starts, but it ends with like, but this time, like you, you interacted with a rapist. Like that's the only difference. Like it's nothing about oh, how you acted. Yeah. It's I like, think I get what you're saying. You I don't know, know the mean? quote, but it's like, yeah, you were wearing a tank top and short shorts and, and we're drunk, it, but right. this time you were talking to a rapist and that's right. why you got and assaulted. that's why. Like, like if, if you're going to take advantage of someone, if you're going to like assert power over someone in that like disgusting way, none of that stuff even matters to you. No. Like if you're someone that's going to assault somebody, it doesn't matter what they're wearing. It doesn't matter how drunk they are. It doesn't matter if they're with their friends. Like if that's your mission, that's your mission. And like, there's unfortunately like for some people, nothing that's going to get in that way. And so Yes, some some people pry on on vulnerability and and being drunk and being out late at night, but that doesn't mean that that is the reason. Some people would do anything to get what they want. So it's I mean it's very natural to blame yourself, and I really I honestly commend you a lot for for sharing all of that because like oh my god, is it relatable to so many people? Yeah, and like the shame. I feel like there's no way to experience something like that and not have that shame, especially as a woman in society. Like it is a huge honestly like it's a huge part of it and it's honestly might even be harder than the assault itself is the guilt and the feelings of shame and personal responsibility that you feel after like I could have prevented this it's my fault yeah and I think that definitely transpired for the rest of that semester until I went to therapy of like shaming and blaming myself for any interaction I had after yeah I was worried that something I was gonna do was gonna cause me to be assaulted again yeah when it was never my fault like ever and anyone who's ever been sexually assaulted, it was never anything you were doing. It's because you interacted with someone who was a assaulter. Yeah. Like, period. <laughs> and and part of the, the way that we can change that, like, disgusting part of our society is talking about it. Mm-hmm. Like, sharing your experience. If you're someone that's had something like this happen to you, like, telling even one other person. Like, you have no idea how many people this has happened to. and And talking about it, like it'll help people realize like how much of a problem this is. Like I'm already thinking about like dad, like my dad, my dad subscribes to the podcast. He gives it a listen. And I think that he like would be shocked to know how common it is. And like, I don't have statistics or anything on me right now because I'm literally driving, but like the more people that are aware of this, the more people that are talking about it, the less excusable this behavior is because a big part of rape culture is like, like people not correcting each other about it. Like if you, if you know your friend gets like slimy when he's drunk, like, you can call him out. You can say, I'm not going to be friends with someone who takes advantage of people like that. So that's why it's so important to have this as a conversation. It decreases the stigma. It, like, I know it seems like small change, but over time, like, that is what matters. And that adds up to, like, totally changing the culture of a society. Yeah. And I remember when I was, like, right after being assaulted, one of the girls who were on the trip with just shared, she's like, I had something so similar happen to me. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not alone. Yeah. And in that moment of like, oh my God, my life is ending. This man just took my autonomy away from me. I like, I, am I going to be pregnant? Like yeah. I had, I was so fearful just to have one person share Yeah. that I, that an experience that made me feel like I wasn't alone and like on an Island out here in this trauma. Right. 
made me feel so yes. much better. Right. And, and I'll never forget her saying yeah. that. Cause... And that's a big, oh, I have goosebumps. That's just such a big reason of like sharing any like mental health story. And that's why I get so like fired up to, to talk and to like do the podcast is because like, like you have no idea what other people have been through. So like you sharing that experience that you had, someone could be like, oh my God, something so similar happened to me. Like I thought like it was all my fault and they're going to feel, I'm like going to cry. They're, <laughs> they're going to feel like completely different about their own experience and less alone and less shameful. And like, that is like such an exponential effect that we all can have on each other and like build each other up and like realize like the human experience is so similar and like, yes, it's painful, but you're not alone in that pain. Like ever. Oh, okay. This feels like a good place to, to maybe pause and like switch. Yeah. Switch topics or something. Okay. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Okay. We're going to switch topics a little bit. And I think would be great to talk, especially with Ava about, is comparison because we have the wonderful unique experience of being identical twins which is um built in comparison um from even before we were born when we were in the womb we were probably being compared and so i feel like this is something that i struggle with a lot i know ava struggles with it in different ways though which is very interesting so i don't know let's just start talking about it comparison yeah so I think comparison for me, absolutely still present in my everyday life. And I working very hard to not kind of be in competition with everybody all the time, which is exhausting. So kind of as a twin growing up, you're always, always, always being compared and it sucks. Like everyone's always going to say a pretty twin, a smart twin, a fat twin. Like there's all like you're either the prettier one or the uglier one for everything. Right. Insert any adjective. Yeah. And so I had such a fear growing up of being the less twin, just such a terrible concept. Right. But like like, it changed so much of my actions and beliefs about myself because I was living in fear of not being good enough, being Mm. the lesser twin. Right. So because, well, let's, let's talk about comparison in general, because I mean, you can compare yourself to other people. You can compare people to each other. You can compare like your grades to other people's grades, like it's never ending. And I always like to conceptualize comparison as like, like, unless you're comparing yourself to yourself, like, oh, my past self, oh, my future self, like it robs you of joy. There's the coiny saying like comparison is the thief of joy. But when you are like slating two people or two concepts against each other, like there is no winner. Like even in high school, people would, I don't even know if people called me, I mean, I called myself the pretty twin, like as a joke. But, like, let's say people were like, oh, I think you're prettier than Ava. Like, I would feel bad when they would tell me that. And they're technically complimenting me. Like, there's no winners. They're literally, like, I don't know. I think of, like, like the corny, like, fine. Like, there's no two pretty best friends. Like, why not? Like, literally, <laughs> like, why are we making, why are we pitting people against each other? The great thing about humans is we have our own individual strengths and weaknesses And they're all different. And so comparing two people with completely different experiences, even if we have the same DNA, even if we have the same parents, like we are not going to be the same. And it's like robbing someone of their goodness to to just compare them to somebody else who's completely different. Yeah. Yeah. And that's true with everything. Like I feel like I compare myself and it's like me versus insert whatever. Right. And so it's like never ending. me versus the nurse next to me. Do they get their blood work drawn faster? Why does it matter? Yeah. Like, why? And it's like, I'm constantly looking to be the best because I'm a competitive person, but also it's because of the comparison that I've had in my, like, my whole life. I've always been in this 
seemingly like machine of comparing myself to everything. Right. And so it's only natural when you experience being compared to someone your entire life, like to then take that on yourself and be like, oh, oh my gosh, there's llamas. Huh? Oh, so cute. Oh. They're just sunbathing. They're sitting oh, down. Yes, that's so sweet. Llama slay. Okay. <laughs> uh, but like naturally being compared, like your entire life, like as twins, your birth weight is compared. Like, like yeah. every, literally everything is crazy. Everything. Oh, you're the twin with the birth bark. You're the twin that's a little bit taller, like whatever. And I don't fault people for that. That's naturally like our brains want to compare, but it's only natural that if we had those experiences growing up, like I'm going to start to compare myself to everything because that's, that's what people have been doing to me. So isn't that what I'm supposed to do too? Yeah. And I think it's such a, a learned belief in my life mm -hmm. and it's, I have to fight it every single day. Like yeah. if I, when I catch myself comparing myself to people being like, they are them and I am me, I can be the best that I can be. I can't control anything else. Yeah. And why would it's like comparing apples and oranges? Like we're right. two completely different people, completely different life experiences. Like using the nursing example, completely different career paths. Yeah. Com just different individuals. For I guess maybe, I don't know if you said this, but Ava's an ER nurse. Yeah. And I'm a psych nurse. So it's like, sometimes people will like make statements about the specialties we chose. And I'm like, we are different people. We have different strengths. Yeah. Like I would be a shitty ER nurse. I would literally <laughs> start crying if I saw CPR. Yeah. Like I, I would not do well. And so I don't know, I guess what, maybe I want to spin the conversation to like, what do you do now to negate comparison? Because it's so prevalent. So something I, my therapist has really been working with me on is acknowledging the good of individuality and like mm -hmm. how lame life would be if everyone's the same. Yes. Like imagine a planet of all Avas. Yeah. <laughs> that would be chaos. That would be chaos. <laughs> it would be such chaos. And like, I would feel not special at all because everyone would be like me. Right. And I think I have a lot of trying to control people mm -hmm. to do things the way that I do them or to see things the way that I see them. And my therapist always calls me out on it because I'm robbing people the goodness of their individuality. And I'm robbing like the specialness that is each individual human. And the universe and whatever you believe in, like created everyone to be their specific self for a reason. Literally like, on purpose. We are all here to be ourselves. And when you try to control people and change them into being what you want them to be, you're taking away the power that is everyone being exactly who they're meant to be in their authenticity. Yes. Yeah. And so in moments when I catch myself comparing, just taking a step back and realizing like they are the, the planet works best if everyone is their authentic self. Period. And I shouldn't be comparing, comparing myself to someone else because we're different people. Right. You have a different set of strengths and even purpose, like of being on this planet. Mm -hmm. I liked what you said, basically like, universe or whatever you believe in like you can sub god you can sub like jesus like whatever your religion or beliefs are like i know wholeheartedly that like it's not a coincidence that you're here it's not a coincidence that you ended up on this earth at this time with these things that you are good at that you like to do like that is all divine and that was that was planned i believe like completely purposefully and so like you're saying the world is best when people are their authentic selves and comparison literally robs you of being authentic mm -hmm. because you're like oh i want to be like them or i want to be better than them and i and i even want to talk about like how comparison like comparing yourself to other people is like like a silly way to feel better about yourself mm -hmm. and i think when you compare yourself it's like a winner and a loser essentially yeah. is what your brain is thinking is happening. So like, Oh, I'm a better runner than her. Right. But that 
we can talk about the hierarchy of thinking you're better than someone. Yeah. Because that was something that really like rattled me once I had a huge subconscious belief that I thought I was better than everyone. Mm -hmm. And once I acknowledged that, I was like, oh my God, like I feel like I've been radiating the fact that I think I'm better than everyone my whole life. Yeah. And consciously, I know we're all equal. Everyone is deserving of unconditional love. Everyone's deserving of just being so, so happy right. and called to their purpose. Mm-hmm. But I had this subconscious belief that I needed to be better than everyone. Probably, like, where do you think that stems from? Uh, being compared my whole life. <laughs> no, 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 not the cause. Like, what's the belief underneath that? Like, why do you need to feel better than other people? To validate myself. There we go. Yep. Like, I would, feel, is- I would feel good about myself if I thought I was better than someone else. Yeah. Which is putting someone down, and it's putting me on a high horse, which isn't real. <laughs> and it's well, and it's a false sense of validation. Yeah, because you're not them. Like it's like a made up thing mm-hmm. to be like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm good because look at this, look at this evidence. When it's like, I mean, if you were to compare, like, I don't know, let, like. Let's let's compare our blood draw skills, right? That'd probably make you feel really good about yourself because I've never got a successful blood draw, right? But, like, that's irrelevant because I don't need that for my job, yeah. right? So it's like you're using this comparison. It's not even a relevant comparison. Like, at some – it's like you're scraping at something to feel good about yourself. Yeah. And I think all of us do this in different ways. Like, I, I definitely need validation, but I don't look for it in comparison. Like, I look for it in other ways, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like I think – that's even why I wanted to ask you, okay, but what's beneath that? Because I think that that need for validation is like so core at all of us as human beings. Like, like how many of us felt completely, um, like our needs, all of our needs were met in our childhood. Mm -hmm. Like, ha ha ha, nobody, right. Literally nobody. Like, even if you had like the best parents and the best experience, like our need for validation is like us trying to meet our needs. And so like, it's easy to be hard on yourself for being like, well, why do I do this? Like blah, blah, blah. But like you are literally trying to get your needs met. Yeah. And that's important to know too. Yeah. And validation is huge. And so it's so human of me to try to compare myself to other people to feel important and to feel good about myself. Like it makes total sense of why I do that in my life, but instead like being able to validate yourself. So using the blood draw skill, like Right. If I get a good blood draw, I'll be like, wow, that was a really good poke that I had. Right. You're like, that was better than my last one. Yeah. You know, compare it and to I'm, yourself. Yeah. And I'm getting better. I got nine out of 10 today. And yesterday yeah. I got seven out of 10. Right. And using my inner val- my inner tools to validate myself. Yes. You don't need to compare yes, when you are able to meet your needs by validating yourself. Yes, this is a like, crazy moment for me. No, right? It's, no, and I like I like to talk like talk things through. I mean I have revelations all the time when I'm recording like, oh my gosh, meeting your own needs and like validating yourself that can like completely take out your need for all of your like maladaptive behaviors that make your mental health not so great so like the comparison i'm sure drives a lot of anxiety Mm -hmm. because you don't feel good enough or maybe it it makes you feel sad because you're like man i'll never measure up or whatever it is when like if you can like validate yourself and like give yourself praise and give yourself attention or whatever it is that you crave that you need like you no longer need that other thing which in this example is comparison yeah, and that's huge. That's uh, changing my yeah. <laughs> I know. It was like right uh, ego death, uh, <laughs> ego death mid pod. Yeah. Okay. Let's um. Let's uh do the questions. Okay. So I drafted up some questions, um, for having people on the pod. Um. Well, you can read them. Okay. They're, they're in a notes app. So I'm gonna. My idea is I'm gonna ask everyone these questions, and then maybe if I find some spicier ones, um, we'll throw those in too. 
So go ahead and read uh, the first one. Question number one is, what is something people often get wrong about you? And my first thought is that people think I'm stupid, <laughs> which is silly because I'm a very smart person. Mm-hmm. And um, I think this stems from, I was a cheerleader in high school and everyone thinks cheerleaders are dumb. I'm also blonde. And then my sorority in college was kind of the ditzy party sororities, the reputation we had. And so I think when I meet people, people are surprised when they find out I'm smart. And it's kind of like, well, it seems to me. I feel like it's almost like you have this fear of people thinking that you're dumb. It could be. And it's like people don't actually, I mean, I don't want to like ask at you, but like, I, I feel like I've never heard anybody like, wow, he was actually smart. You know, it's like almost like, you know, that maybe you already had this reputation, you know, that people might think of you this way. So it's like a fear you're almost like projecting. Yeah, it could, it could very much be. Yeah. But that was the first thing that came to mind, and okay. I don't really know. No, like, no, it's that's hard a good to, answer. No. It's hard to see what people are thinking of you because you're not like, hey, what did you first think of when you met me? Yeah, well, and I feel like it's natural for a lot of women to feel like they need to prove their intelligence because yeah. we're not assumed to be smart, right? Yeah. Which is stupid. Mm. Yeah. Okay, next question. Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, next question is something you wish you could tell your younger self. Oh. Oof. Um that you are never in charge of other people's moods and emotions. Mm. I think I, a lot of my childhood, I tried catering my behaviors to make other people happy mm-hmm. and to put people in good moods. And like literally at the age of like seven, I was like, mom, can I clean the house? Cause I thought that would make her happier. Oh, and then she was like, Ava loves cleaning. Yeah, and then this narrative <laughs> came in that I'm like, love cleaning. And then that was literally just me as a kid having but anxiety. It, wait, but it literally like made her in a better mood. Like yeah, and so I was like, I would always try to cater who I was to be, quote unquote, an easy kid. Yeah. And to not cause problems, which is funny because I feel like in, in teenagehood, we caused so oh, many I problems. Got, we, we got <laughs> we were bad kids. We party ha, 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 ha. But <laughs> just like, I think of telling my like four to six year old self, like, you will never be in charge of other people's emotions yeah that's their emotions are what they're going through yeah and no matter what you do it's never going to change how someone is feeling and that comes up a lot now in my friendships and relationships of if someone's in a bad mood i'm like what did i do right that put them in this well and how can i behave so that they feel better yeah and what what can i be doing as a girlfriend as a best friend to make them not so upset right now and i really have to fight that narrative of that's the mood they're in and it has absolutely nothing to do with me so little Ava definitely needs to hear that yeah no and I think that's like a lot of people can relate to that too next question if you could make a law that everyone follows what would it be I I can't even take credit for this question this is a direct copy and paste from Jay Shetty's podcast so he's the best um to go to therapy? <laughs> I Mandatory. Like, literally, every single person needs to be in therapy. And if you're like, oh, I don't know what I talk about, guarantee your therapist can find something. <laughs> um, period. Or ask the people in your life, hey, what do I need to talk about in therapy? I will gladly give anybody in my life a list of things they can bring up in therapy. And that is coming from a place of love and not judgment. That's because I want them to be better for themselves. Yeah. And I think ser- therapy is an amazing tool of just bettering yourself. And I, I want everyone to be on the journey of 
discovering yourself and loving yourself and constantly improving who you are as a human. Right. And I think that if everyone was in therapy, we'd all be doing that and the universe would be rainbows and daisies. Yeah. <laughs> therapy is mandatory. Great law. Okay. Next question. Best mental health advice you have received or given. Is this the last question? Mm-hmm. Okay. And you can do both. I um, might take a second to think on yeah, it. Yeah, i got to think you about take this your time. one. <laughs> Probably just, like, that it's normal and okay. I had such a stigma that I can't have any mental health problems because that's bad and it means I'm going to go into psychosis. Right? That's what <laughs> I thought. But, like, if you're anxious, that's okay. Yeah. If you're depressed, that's okay. If you're thinking of killing yourself, that's okay. Like, yeah, that's mental human. health is health. And just to normalize it and to have everyone on this podcast know whatever you're going through, like, it's normal and it's okay that you're going through it. Period. Yeah. Nothing else needs to be said. (laughs) And it's almost, like, wild to hear you say that because, like, a year ago, like, you... I was fighting demons about my anxiety. Oh, one, one, one miles. (laughs) Cute. Yeah. And it's, like, how how much growth, like, has come. Yeah. And literally just a year of putting in work to better myself and normalize the fact that anxiety is normal and fine. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What about um, best advice you've given? Or is that... I feel like I don't give mental health advice. Yeah. Well, like, you have patients. I do have patients. I think also just normalizing things for them. Like, I'm an ER nurse, so I get a lot of people post-suicide attempt. And just telling someone who just attempted suicide that this... I get patients like you all the time. You're not crazy. You're not weird. You're not different. You went through something really hard in your life, and this is how you're trying to cope, and that's normal. And I hope to see you in a place where... I say in the ER, I hope to never see you again. Because I hope you're never going to attempt because you got better and it's okay to need help and it's okay to seek resources. That's literally what we're here for in the ER. Yeah. Good shit. Okay. So look at all these goosebumps. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. All right. Um, Ava, thank you so much for, for being vulnerable, for being open, for, for really showing your thought process and being authentic and, and real. I think that's really going to translate in this episode. Is there anything that you want to say before we sign off? Um. No, not really. Just... You want to plug yourself? Oh, I did just make a makeup Instagram. She slays. I love to do Face people. by Ava Grace. It's on Instagram at Face by Ava Grace. Um, if you're in the Denver area, I would literally love to do your makeup. She slays. Um, I love making girls for beautiful. She did. She men, did whatever. all of our makeup for my brother's wedding. We all looked gorge. Yeah. Regina. Yeah. Um, yeah, so thanks for having me on the episode. Of today. course. Had a fantastic time. Yeah, we should do this again. Maybe we can like draft up some like crazy shit to talk about yeah okay well all my beautiful people listening thank you thank you thank you so much for listening to this episode you can support me in a bunch of different ways you can honestly the majority of it is just the links in the show notes i'm on all streaming platforms now give it a share if you liked it if you like love ava text us to someone who also loves ava and then more people can hear the episode and hear her super awesome vulnerable story so thank you thank you thank you so much for listening Um, And until next time, may you be well.